Thank you so much for joining us today. We pray that every message inspires you to become everything that God created you for. Every week, we send a message across the world made possible by incredible people who give generously. If you have not already done so, we want to invite you to join us. Text the word EASY to 94000 or go to newsongscs.com forward slash give and give a one-time or recurring gift and help us spread the gospel from Colorado Springs to the ends of the earth. We hope this message speaks to you in a way that uh, At the end of a life. series next week, I think will be the end of it, talking about life, uh, all the stories around Jesus' death that brought us life. And we're in um, one of the only stories left uh, after the resurrection that the Bible talks about. It's the one where Peter uh, catches a lot of fish So, um, and his disciples. Any fishermen in the room, raise your hand. Anyone, if you're a fisherman, you're like, it's not like a question, like, mm, maybe you're like very proud. Yep, I'm a fisherman, and I know the best one is not right here in front today. Frank, he's one of the greatest. He's fishing. He's fishing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. One of the best fishers I know, and I tell him he's like a Peter. He's going to be a fisher of men as well, and he does. He's amazing uh, with others. But um, I've, I've fished a few times. Anyone fished in the room? Raise your hand if you fished once or twice. Um, anyone caught anything fishing? Yeah, it's, it's, always, it's always exciting uh, when we do this. Um, this story is in chapter 21 of John. John chapter 20, it kind of closes and it says, that's it. That's what happened in the life of Jesus. And then there's chapter 21, and we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago how it's kind of like an end credit, like in a Marvel movie, because it's talking about something to come in Peter's life. And if we really want to apply the Bible to our life, the Bible is about us. The Bible is about us. It's about Jesus. Uh, but it's about challenging us. So this is, a, the chapter 21 is about something to come in our lives too, okay? Last week we talked about the fact that Peter and his friends were um, just confused. Jesus had just risen from the dead. Um, that wasn't last week, two weeks ago. Jesus rose from the dead and he had shown himself to, to a few of them. And um, he had told them, I'm going to resurrect, and he did. And then he said, I'm going to leave you, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I have to leave you. Um, that, so the disciples aren't sure what's going on right here. They're not sure if Jesus left. He's not coming back. And they're sitting in a room, and it says, Peter said, I'm going fishing. And the Bible doesn't say why. And then some of the disciples say, I'm coming with you. It's interesting that the story of the disciples started with them fishing. It's like the bookends, like the end now and the beginning. The beginning of it, Jesus saw them in the fishing and he said, oh, let down your nets, you'll catch some fish. And they caught a whole bunch. Now it's the end of Peter's life or the end of Jesus' story. And they're fishing again. It does, the Bible doesn't say they fish because they're hungry. I think they were hungry. I think they were hangry. I think they were upset. I would think they were worried the, 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 the uh, Romans might kill us next. They tried Jesus. It didn't work. They're going to come after us next. He said, I'm going fishing. Maybe it's because they needed a paycheck. Maybe it's because Jesus wasn't going to be with them anymore to multiply a little kid's lunch. So they needed it. Maybe it's because um, he says, I'm going back to my old life. 
You know, I've heard that preaching pretty, it's a pretty good sermon. You know, I'm going back to my old life. I'm going back to fishing. So he's out there fishing all night long with his friends. Nobody catches anything. This is unusual. Like you would catch something, not a one, not a one fish. Fishermen will, will brag on what they caught. And so it, they would have exaggerated if they had some, caught some. They hadn't caught anything. And this is where we pick up the story today. John chapter 21, verse 6 through 8. It says, he told them, put your, put your net on the right side of the boat after fishing all night. They were like, seriously? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, okay, John's writing this. He wrote this, and he's making the point. I noticed who the person was. He said, it is the Lord. As soon as Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, Peter wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. I like what theologians, uh, my favorite explanation at least of what theologians say about why did he take his clothes, wrap them around him, and jump in the water? I like their explanation. The best one I found is because that's what he did. He put his clothes around him, jumped in the water. I think um, that John wanted to make sure, it just shows the realness of the moment. He wanted to make sure. I'm going to mention everything that happened. And by the way, Peter wrapped his clothes around him and jumped in the water. And by the way, I was the one that recognized it was the Lord. You know, I put it in there. By the way, the one whom the disciples loved said it is the Lord, right? Peter's actions remind us of something earlier where Peter did something. Remember, he jumped out of the boat, leaped out of the boat when he saw Jesus walking on the water. We get all these stories mixed up. These are different stories. The, Peter, Jesus is walking on the water, and Peter, what did he do? Got out of the boat and wanted to walk on the water with Jesus. Now, we see Jesus on the shore, and he gets out of the boat again. I don't know if he's hoping... I'm going to walk on the water again because it's the Lord, right? So maybe he thought he was going to stay dry, but he jumped in. I think he knew he was going to swim. He was going for a swim. And it's because Peter feels things with all his heart. Anyone like that in the room? You don't have to say it, but some of you are the opposite. You know, there's, there's, there's room for both of us. It says that the other disciples, verse 8, um, followed in the boat. They didn't swim. They followed in the boat. They towed the net full of fish, for they were not that far from the shore. About a football field away is how far they were. Now that week, Peter had had all kinds of things happen in his life when he jumped in the water. People think, some theologians think that, you know, when Jesus showed himself to the disciples, maybe Peter wasn't there. And maybe this was his first time seeing Jesus after he rose from the dead. Peter that week had denied Jesus. I don't know the man, Jesus said to him. My friend, my friend. And we, we just kind of look at this as a, as a lullaby that we don't even realize what's happening. But he said, you're going to tell people you don't know me three times. Oh, Jesus, I would never do that to you. I would never tell people I don't know you. And then that, that week he, he said three times in a row one night, I don't know the man. I don't know the man. 
And the third time, it says in one of the Gospels that Jesus caught his eye, right? When Jesus was being uh, mocked and abused, he caught his eye. And when he said, I don't know what the man the third time he was cursing, it says with curses, he said, Blankety, blank, blank, I don't know the blankety, blankety man. And then Jesus saw him. Now, maybe this is the first time Peter saw Jesus since then. Jesus is resurrected. He sees him on the, on the shore and he's thinking, I got to get to him before the disciples because I, we got to talk. We got to talk big time. And we're going to talk about the talk they had next week. But he jumps in the water and goes swimming to Jesus. Some of us could stand to jump in the water and swim to Jesus. I don't mean it poetically. I don't mean it cutesy. I just mean we could stand to get wet for Jesus. We could stand to stop being, and I have this written in my Bible, and I'm looking around the room for kids because my son would notice this. But I use these words choice. These, I chose these words specifically, and I'm going to explain. We could stand to be, uh, get wet, and stop being so damned unremarkable. What are you talking about? That's a real word. It's not a, it's a Bible word, damned, damned to hell or damned to your sin, you know. And sometimes we're damned unremarkable. We really are. When you look at believers, and I'm going to give just a few ideas, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cook some bacon for you, okay? So that, that'll help you to feel better about the world. But um, I say, um, how are we unremarkable? Um, church attendance. It was interesting that you said that we didn't get together on this. Church attendance in two ways, all right? Not showing up to church. I mean, I've never seen it more in the last three years than I have now. Um, I went to a very prominent uh, Christian meeting with uh, prominent leaders in our, in our city. And um, I wasn't doing it for the sake of asking them this. I was just wondering. I said, do you go to this church to them? Three, four different strong leaders in the, in the town. Do you go to this church? Oh, no. Where do you go? Um, and not one of them could say they went to church. Well, since COVID, we, well, I go to church in Texas. You go to church in Texas? I'm like, what are you talking about? You go to church and, yeah, I watch online. Yeah, and yeah, that's nice and sweet and all. But I'm just making the point that, man, I not, I can't, it's just a weird time. And it's a new era of the church, that there's people that decide that church, they don't need it anymore. They get it, they get it from their podcasts. And yes, you get great teaching from all those places. You know how many podcasts I listened to this week? Do you know how many hours of podcasts I listened to? More than you. We'll talk later and I'll explain. But we can get, we can get fed during the week, but there's something about being in God's house in the fellowship with one another that's important. All right. So that's the uh, choir. But then we don't do uh, church attendance showing up to church. And then sometimes even worse than showing up to church is coming to church and not showing up to church. Because the Bible says church is not there to listen to a 
preacher and listen to a band. The church is there because it's an organism that you uh, are a part of to encourage, exhort one another and build each other up. You think that the pastor does that from the front. I do a good, pretty darn good job of doing that. I could have used the damn word, but that doesn't fit there. But that's, if, that's your, if that's where you get built up, you're not going to get what you need. You need each other. Look at, look, just look to the left and the right real awkwardly. Okay, you need each other. I was talking to someone in the church that's been here for quite some time, longer than me, and I said, do you know this person? They said, no. I was like, you don't know this person? Like, how do you not know this person? You're a family and you don't even know. You've been, you know, we, 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 we're unremarkable in our church attendance. And um, I heard a speaker say this this week. It's a wonder that any harvest happens with the uninspiring commitments that Jesus has to work with these days in you and I. I'll say it again. It's a wonder that any harvest happens when the, with the uninspiring commitments that Jesus has to work with these days in you and I. I'm glad it was someone else that said it, okay? I'm just reading that uh, I would say this, though. This is my old-fashioned uh, preacher voice, and the words I'm going to use are good. They, 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 they uh, what did they do? They, they make, same, same letter, what's that called? Literation. The church could stand to have some Peters who will jump out of the safe boat and get soaked for the sake of the Savior. Can I hear an amen? amen. Jump out of the safe boat and get soaked for the sake of the Savior. Amen. Amen. And I would say, yes, there is amazing grace for all of us. You know, you, have you been to a funeral? You hear the song, Amazing Grace. It's not just for that. And yes, it is not a performance-based gospel that we are in. You do not do actions. You do not um, uh, do your deeds and get to heaven. That's not how you get to heaven. It's not a performance-based gospel. But it is a relationship-based message. And, la- and, and that relationship is based on love, right? And the last time I checked, love is a... I learned this from DC Talk. Love is a verb. Verbs require action. Love requires action. It's, so it does require some deeds. It does require, and it's, it's a hard thing too. I want you to watch this video, and it's going to seem unrelated, but watch it. Um, I want to show you what it takes to make bread on a campfire, okay? I like the sound effects too. Turn it up real good so that people hear the, all the texture. You can find anything on TikTok, like literally, or Instagram. This man, imagine, took the time to do this. Maybe it'd be easier. Thomas, will you help me bring this up here?
Maybe what Frank's making while he's fishing, huh? Some bread like this. Too much, huh? A lot of work. How about that? Give them a big hand. All right. That was not me, so you don't have to clap them. They won't see it. I make, I, if you know me, I'm a pretty good cook. Um, Cynthia would know that about me. I make a number of things. In fact, baking is one of my specialties. I, this is the first time I've ever done it in my whole life. Uh, I've burned it a couple of times, so I have tried. But, and I don't want uh, the fire alarm to go off, but, um, but I did bake some. And you're wondering that that sound I have this microphone right here because I wanted it, them to hear the, the bacon. Can you hear it? Yeah. Can you hear it without it? Everybody listen. Yeah. Oh, I hear it. I hear the bacon. When you hear bacon, and in fact, I put a little fan here because I want to um, blow the smell a little bit so you can see. So who doesn't like the smell of bacon? Raise your hand. There's probably a few. Cynthia doesn't eat bacon. She's allergic to pork. So do you like the smell of bacon, though? Yeah, I do a good amount of cooking. <laughs> Look at this. I do a good amount. Can you get the camera to make sure it sees over here that I'm bacon? I'm baking bacon. Oh, it's starting to sparkle. That, that means it's working. I call it sparkle. Simmer. Whatever that is. It's shooting things at me. I'm going to leave that. I'm going to let that go. Look at this Bible verse. It says this, verse 9. When they landed, you know, remember the same story. We're still in the same story. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. I like that sentence. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. This sentence just sits right. I don't like fish. I didn't want to cook fish. I don't know what the smell would be. Maybe you would love that. But I picture the smell of bacon when I hear that they were cooking fish because the men then probably would have loved the smell just the same. Remember, they were upset. They were confused. They were probably a bit hangry. And Jesus is on the shore making bacon. After a long night, I wrote this. They were hangry and hungry, unsatisfied and unfulfilled, tired and empty. They had caught nothing. Here's Jesus taking the time to make them a hearty camp breakfast. And I ask this question, 
Because I would hear this story in Sunday school, and, and I think the, for the first time, I'm actually understanding what the point is of this story. Among other reasons, why did Jesus do this? He did it to set a table because he likes tables. You see that theme through our church over the last couple of years? It's on purpose. We changed the name of our small groups a while back to Tables. Jesus likes tables. And I think he did this to say, hey, sit down, eat, enjoy, stop what you're doing, rest, just rest. You've been out all night fishing. My burden is a lot lighter than you think. Really, sit down. Disciples are all looking at each other like, I would think Jesus would be busy, like he's got like 40, 40 days, 50 days left on the earth. Wouldn't he need to be somewhere else? Oh, yeah. He was somewhere else just for a minute before this at another table, sitting with two men, saying, sit down. They didn't recognize him either. They didn't have John, the beloved, there to say, it is the Lord. But when he broke the bread, it says they recognized him on the Emmaus Road. It's another story that happened during this time. But back to this one. Sit down. He's foreshadowing to us something in our day, I believe. He's on the shore making breakfast when we're toiling and finding no fulfillment in our endeavors. It says, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you caught. Wait, didn't it say Jesus was already making the breakfast? Cena and I were talking about this, and she could probably do a great teaching on this, I'm sure. An extra one. You can learn all the background of it. But it says that Jesus was already making breakfast. And then he said, bring your fish. Bring some of the fish you caught. The Bible, uh, if you look at it closely, you need to read slowly because you need to see. Everything's there for a reason. It's not like just to write it. Like sometimes we wonder, what's going on here? Why do they? There's a reason for it, Okay. So if you look closely, it says he was already making breakfast. And he said, bring some of the fish you made. Perhaps saying to us, yes, I know I'm God. Everybody looking, everybody listening. Yes, I know I'm Jesus, the son of God. But I still choose you, 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 you. You're a really bad fisher. You are too. But I'm going to choose you. I'm going to choose you. Oh, I, your gifting is pretty slim, but I'll choose you. I choose to use you. I choose to choose you to participate in what I am doing. Bring what you have. Bring your gift. What is your gift? Bring it. Bring your livelihood. Bring what you have to offer. Why are we so unremarkable? I, I, I mentioned church attendance. I didn't mention the other. Another one is lifestyle. Bring your lifestyle to me. That paints a picture for you. Your lifestyle, I'm just talking how you live your life besides just your church attendance. Do you love? We have trouble loving people. We have trouble serving. We forget, um, like our last sermon series, Lost, that it takes getting lost to be found. If you want to find your life, you have to lose it. We have trouble serving. We have trouble 
loving. We have trouble giving. We're very ungenerous people, especially Christians. You go to a restaurant, you ask a tipper, or you ask a waiter, what, what, what is your worst day of tips? And it's on a Sunday by the church people. That's on, uh, not what I'm talking about today, but um, we're unremarkable people. We could be better givers. We could trust God with our finances a bit more. Jesus said, bring some of the fish. They did. And um, he asked us to participate. And I said, uh, bring your fish, bring your livelihood, bring your um, gifts, bring your profession, bring your occupation, bring who you are, bring your family, bring it all to me. Jesus says, bring your pocketbook. Yeah, bring it all. Put it on the skillet with my fish. Because we're cooking breakfast here. And I promise you, I promise you, that I'll bless you more than you know. I promise you, I'll make something great out of whatever you bring me. I'll make something great out of it. Like the day he asked the child, uh, can you bring your lunch over to me? He said, well, I only have, uh, what did he have? Yeah, he had a couple, maybe five loaves of bread, maybe two fish, and there's Thousands of people, and he says, bring it to me. You bring what you got, and I'll bring what I got. And maybe that's the better sermon today for you. Will you leave here? Bring anything you got, my sister. Bring it to me, and then watch what I do with it. I hear it. I hear it simmering. I call it sparkling. That's my new word, because I'm going to do a cooking show on the Food Network. It's going to be called Sparkle? No, it's not. Yikes. So it says in verse 11, can you put it up there? Simon Peter, because he said bring some of the fish. Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish. Theologians talk about this. My favorite explanation is that fishermen... Uh, want everything to be known about what they did. This, my fish was this big. It was this many ounces, this many pounds. They made mention, John made mention, there were 153 large fish. Large fish, by the way. Maybe they shared that because you would assume, oh, these guys are lying. They're fishermen. They lie. There's not that many fish. Just so you know, there was 153 of them in the, in the net. Large ones. Now you could do a whole nother study on what, why did they mention 153? I won't talk about it. But I've heard lots of great explanations. Like 153 nations, tribes, languages in the world at the time. And Jesus is making a connection. Bring them. I, you, I got, gave you one of every kind of, uh, every, every language you, we're going to reach. I also read that there is 153 species of fish. They caught one of every kind. That'd be really cool. 153 also symbolizes the Gentiles that hadn't been reached yet. There's a lot going on here when they caught 153 of them. But we won't talk about it too much today. Jesus said to them, verse 12, 
come. Have breakfast. That's a good word, breakfast. It's got lots of S's and K's and B's, T's, breakfast. Come have breakfast. None of them dared say, um, who's this guy? Is it, is it Jesus? Because they knew it was him. Verse 13, Jesus came. He took the bread. Every time it talks about bread in the Bible, it says he took it. You could, talk, you could learn some more about that another time. And every time he talks about bread in the Bible, every time he talks about bread in the Bible, he gave it. He gives it. He did the same with the fish. And that's the story. And then it goes on. He's going to talk to him about some stuff in his life. But why does it put this part in here? Why is it here? Why is this significant to us? That's the way I cook. I cook nice and slow. Turn it down. Turn it up. Oh, I hear it again. It's simmering. It's sparkling. Why? Let me point out three things and then we'll be done. Number one, write this down in your mind. If you're not going to write it on a piece of paper or in your phone. They're not super um, intense thoughts, but number one is this. Jesus, why did he do it? Because he, was, he wanted to make breakfast for his friends. Jesus wanted to make breakfast for his friends. There's nothing like the sight and the smell and the sounds of breakfast, cooking, after a long night of work. And I would say this to you. You're going to say, are you getting too weird here? Don't belittle eating together. Western mindset's different than Eastern mindset. Eating together was big time. Eating together was important. Eating together was priority. Don't belittle eating with one another, with your family, with a friend, sharing something with another across the table. You know, that's how the church grew. It says that they ate together every day, Luke 2.42. They ate together, they sat around, and the church grew in numbers every day. Breakfast matters, all right? Number two, Jesus was all about the table. I already kind of talked about this, but Jesus is all about tables. At another place, he was at this same time, he was with two guys at a table right after he rose from the dead, and now he's here with these guys around a table, sitting together. Perhaps the greatest takeaway from this narrative is is perhaps that. Jesus was all about the table. And our Western mindset of, of Western meaning, you know, America and everyone outside of the, um, the east side of the globe. We have drive throughs right? We have microwaves. I was going to make the bacon in a microwave and make a point there. But we have, we have a, a hurry that we're in. And we thought we were in a big hurry until COVID came. Then we really got away, away from sitting at tables. Now tables aren't covered with plates and napkins and forks and glasses and, and food. They're, they're, they have backpacks on them and papers and right? Isn't that what your table is full of at home? They're full of all these things in our Western world. In our Western mindset, 
we call devotions playing a worship song on the way to work while texting our boss that we're going to be late. Oh, I had my devotions. And Jesus is sitting at the table. Oh, oh, you're, oh you're gone. Oh, you're busy. Oh, he's gone. He's busy. Oh, you're staying? Oh, let, oh you're on your phone? You, oh, you have to check your Facebook? Oh, yeah, I'll just... I'll be over here. And he's not feeling sorry for himself. Jesus is not feeling sorry for himself. I'm not making that point. But Jesus is like, I'm here. And we're like, oh, God. And then we decide to pray. Where'd you go? Where are you? God, I can't. He's like, oh, I haven't left. I'm right, I'm right here. Oh you, oh, you have to go? Okay, bye. I'll see you uh, later. Oh, tonight? Oh, Sunday. Oh, yeah, I'll see you Sunday. Okay. That's... What we forget. That's what the story, I think, that's this part of the story, what it's saying to us. Jesus is sitting there. He's making breakfast at the table for you. And then lastly, Jesus has time for you. Jesus has time for me. Three statements that all kind of mean the same thing, really. Especially now that I'm alive, Jesus is on the shore, right? Never forget that I'm here for you. I have time for you. If it's first thing in the morning, this is a good, this is a good one for some of you. The Bible talks about this. First thing in the morning, that's what he's doing to these guys. Or last thing before you go to bed. That's what was happening here too. These guys are having breakfast, but they're getting ready to go to bed because they've been up all night. He's there for you whenever the time is. He's waiting. So that gives you... Um, for those who go to bed at midnight, that's like, that's good. That's, I like that one. I cooked up this bacon today not to be clever, um, although I'm quite clever. Thank you. No, um, I'm being sarcastic. I'm a very sarcastic person, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. So there you go. I'm just being silly. Um, oh, well, you shouldn't be sarcastic. You need to be sincere at all times. Well... Yeah, that's boring, you know. I was watching um, Carol Burnett. I don't know if you know. I watched that, that, that tribute last night, and, um, and they were, she's very, anyways, let's move on. Um, why did I do this? I did this so that you would remember it, because you're not going to remember what I said. You're not going to remember the sermon. You won't remember the sermon series. You won't remember any of it by next week, probably. That's the sad thing about preaching. That's the foolishness of preaching. Like, what is it good for? We forget it. That's why on Monday, I'm listening to a podcast either of my own. I do. I listen to my own one just to hear what I said to make sure it was okay. And then I listen to a whole bunch of other ones because I need to keep filling my vessel because I have a leak. You know, sometimes it leaks out and I forget what I said. I did this because I know you're going to forget what I said, but you won't forget that I made bacon at church. Ron's like, oh, you're making bacon today? That everyone's excited. We're making bacon. You won't forget that, and hopefully you'll connect it, that Jesus is making, it's weird, but Jesus is making bacon for you. He's making um, not pork for you, something else, like turkey bacon, okay. Jesus has time for you. Can, can the worship team come up? We'll, we're going to sing a song. I'm going to uh, challenge you. I want that to be left in your mind. After Easter, after resurrection, this is after resurrection, 
Jesus didn't just go off someplace and forget about you. He left the Holy Spirit, which is God's presence on earth. Talks about it all through John, if you want to figure out what the Holy Spirit's about. Then it talks about it all through Acts. We'll talk, I think that's going to be our next thing we're going to talk about. But um, Jesus is there for you. After the resurrection, what do I do now? We're not singing he is risen every, every Sunday. We should. We, maybe we should. Every week we should start with he is risen. He is risen indeed. Yes, we should start with that to remind us. But after resurrection, Jesus is still there. Don't just go back to fishing. That's what Peter did. Don't just go back to what you know. Thank you, sister. Don't just go back to it. Don't just go to your profession, your occupation. Remember, Jesus was on the shore, and before this, a couple weeks ago, we talked about it. Go listen to it. Some of the sermons aren't worth listening to, but that one would be. He said, you caught anything? Saying to them, how, how is this life doing for you? Are you doing all right? You get, are you fulfilled? No, we didn't catch anything. Doesn't mean you need to change your job, your occupation. It just means you need to give Bring it to the skillet so that he can make something out of it. He's going to make a great breakfast out of it for the world to eat. Out of your life, out of your gifts, out of your occupation, out of your profession, out of your inadequacy, out of your insecurity. Jesus is going to use it. Can I hear an amen? He will. He will. You got anything? No, I, I don't got anything. Come here. I'm going to sit with you. I'm going to bring you my presence. We're going to sing a song. And um, it wasn't planned. And I was listening to it earlier. And I, uh, this is the way it connects. Goodness of God, is it? Just going to sing it one time through. And I want you to listen. This is Peter singing this song after denying Jesus three times. And Jesus sits him down for breakfast. Not mad at him. In fact, he, he wants to hang out with them. And I think this is what Peter might do. This is what Peter might sing, except for the point where it says God. But Jesus is God. The Bible says that Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen God. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The God, the Father, is nothing different than Jesus. We just relate to Jesus more than we relate to God. And he says, I'm good. I'm good. Just listen to the song, and then I'm going to challenge you as we close. Of the goodness of God. 
And you have led me through the fire. Has he done that for you darkest Amen. You were close like no other. I loved you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness. I kind of say this by faith if this is not true for you. Just to yourself all my life. In all my life you have been faithful. Me. This is me right here. Burnt. <laughs> no. This is me. Oh, does that turn off automatically? Let me just unplug that. This is me. Come, bring what you got. Bring what you got. And, and I'll put in it with, with my breakfast skillet and watch what happens. Some of you think, oh, he looks real confident. He looks real courageous. He's got no problems. He's got no temptations. Obviously, and this is probably not needed to say, but I do. I'm just like anybody else. I just have a different profession than others, some of you. But every day I, I wonder, I question. And I'm, for the most part, I know who I am in Christ. I know what God has given me, and I am blessed. And some days I'll be walking on a walk with Cynthia to McDonald's, and I'll be thinking, there is not a problem in the world not a problem in the world. All the problems, they just kind of disappear for a bit. And I'm like, oh man, I'm so blessed. I know I'm going to be in that moment when I'm in Florida in about three weeks. Cynthia's family taking us down there at a beach house, sit on the beach. There is not a problem in the world. I'm so blessed and I'm so courageous and I'm so full of security and so full of uh, Christ-likeness. But then there's other times that it's not that way right? And we're like, dang, I can't do this right. Man, how am I going to get in front of those people on Sunday when I can't even do it myself? I can't even catch any fish. I'm barely catching fish. You got any fish? No, Jesus, I don't. Well, put it on the right side. Do it. Seriously? Yeah, do it. Try it. Oh, wow, I caught some. 153 large ones. What did I tell you? I haven't gone anywhere. I'm here. And I would say this. When, it, when, it, when I look courageous, when I look full of confidence, that's great. But the truth is, the only way I do it, because I look at it and think, how could Jesus ever use me? And I don't like this to be about me right now, but I'm making the point. This is my revelation today. You bring what you got, you put it in the pot, and watch what happens. Because God has used me in a lot of ways in spite of myself. I was just telling Cynthia the other day, I'm like, I'm like one of the worst camp speakers, but when I get in front of the kids at camp, something happens, and I'm like, it's God, God's Holy Spirit, the anointing. That's us. That's all of us in the room. Just jump in the pot. That'd be a better, that's a good one. Jump in. Let God cook you. Cook you. Jump in the pot. Get wet. You're so dry. You're so damned unremarkable what Jesus would say. Jesus cusses? No, he doesn't cuss. I don't know. Jesus is probably too loving to say that. But the Holy Spirit might convict us that way. Stop being unremarkable. Get wet for the sake of the Savior. Get soaked for the sake of the Savior. I'll ask you this question. 
Maybe what you get out of this today is that the Bible's full of fresh bread. Every time you read it, I know it seems boring. Seems boring. I'm so glad I got this job because it reminds me on Monday I got to preach on t- Friday, Saturday, whatever. And I better get in the Bible. And when I'm reading, I realize, oh, wow, this is a really good. Wow, this is a good book. There's always something. Maybe the best thing you get out of this is that it's fresh. Some of it's boring because you don't understand it. Keep trying. Get in it. It's not legalism. It's just for your own good. You'll love it. I promise. The first half. I'll just move on. Okay. Let me challenge you today. Do you feel like Jesus is far away? He didn't row away from you. You rowed away. And he said, I'm still sitting here. Sitting here by the, by the nice, delicious coffee and the delicious bacon. And I'm waiting. I'm waiting with the bacon to hang out with you. It's not him who moved. It's you. He's waiting to have breakfast with you. Not literally for you. I don't eat breakfast. I eat a smoothie. Whatever. I'm not, that's not my point. He wants to hang out with you on your walk, on your drive. I don't think there's anything wrong with having devotions on the way to work, kind of. But really have them. I had devotions on the way in the car the other day to see my friend Kyra. I sat, I sat in that car with my music as loud as it could go. Blasting, I don't think, I, don't, I think the name is Vashon Mitchell, I think his name was. Trust the Lord, trust the Lord, trust the Lord. And I'm, I'm starting like this, singing kind of quietly. And I got singing louder. I got singing louder. And I start declaring, and I start proclaiming. Jesus, I trust you, I trust you, I trust you, I trust you. Then it's devotions. At first, it's just listening to, to uh, Rick Astley or whatever it is that might as well be that because it's just listening to music. But engage with it. Really show up and God does something. And it wasn't necessarily about praying. I mean, it was for me, it was about praying for Kyra. But I think for you too, probably with your situation, it's all about us getting closer to him. Because I'm trying, I'm praying for a situation. We are afraid, we are afraid Kyra might have leukemia this week. Like we, that's what the doctor said. We were, we were proclaiming this is not going to happen, not for our girl. And it, and maybe it wasn't going to be, maybe it wasn't that, maybe it changed, maybe it didn't. But what it did is brings us closer to him. Everything that we go through, it brings us closer to him. And I'm sitting in the hospital. I felt like I was at church because I was trusting God more than I trusted him yesterday because I had a reason. You know, Tony, that. You know that feeling, trusting for your situation, for your daughter when that was. You just feel closer to God when you're going through your night without catching any fish. You just feel closer. And Jesus says, Sit, sit down. And then he says, do you love me? And that's what we'll talk about next week. So good. 
not just asking that question, do you love me? He's asking way more than that there. But that question that you have, um, he's waiting to have breakfast with you. And the other thing is, if Jesus was right here, right now, would you risk jumping out of your safe zone, your comfort zone? Would you jump out of it? Oh, I got all my stuff with me. Well, put it on and jump in. Let it all get wet. He wrapped it around him, and he jumped in the water. It's like, leave that on the shore. Leave that in the boat. Then it can stay dry. It's like, I need it all. I'm jumping in with all of it. He wrapped it around him, and he jumped in. Jesus said, bring it all. Bring the, bring the family. Bring the wife. Bring the husband. Bring the addiction. Bring the habit that's not the greatest. Bring the worry, bring bring it all and jump in. Jump in. What if Jesus was here? Would you jump in? I'm oh, my microphone. Okay. What are you crazy? You're jumping in, you're getting wet. It's cold. It's the middle of the morning. We could do better, couldn't we? We could jump in. But the things that keep us from jumping in are like pride. Well, I don't got any pride. Well, that's your pride speaking. I don't got any pride. Well, how about you? Look at you. Well, I, I've already given Jesus everything. That's called religious spirit. You think you've given Jesus everything? Well, then you uh, left something back. Because there's always something more to give. Your worship can always be more. Can always be a living, it's a living sacrifice. It's a sacrifice, it's a sacrifice. Oh, you say, well, I'm, not, I'm bored, I'm done with listening to you. Well, I'm preaching for myself right now. I'm learning right now. Bring it, bring the religious spirit. Bring the pride, bring the lack of passion. Because there were some guys in the boat, I don't think they were wrong. I bet a few of them, maybe Bartholomew, we never hear what, how he was. I don't know. Maybe he was the one in the boat. It's like, what's going on? Big deal. So Jesus is on the shore, whoever it is. Big whoop. I'm not jumping out of the boat. That's called a lack of passion. And another word for that may not be. It's not a Greek word or anything. But in Revelation, I believe it calls the church lukewarm. You're lukewarm. I want to just throw you up. I want to spit you out of my mouth because it's like milk that's like stale. That's not cold. It's not hot. It's just like lukewarm. Ugh. Jesus said, I don't need that. And it's Jesus talking in Revelation. It's the same guy that wrote this book, John, that wrote the Revelation, I believe, right? And he's saying, you got a lack of passion. You need to be more like Peter. Don't be so damned lukewarm right love is a verb we can stand to get out of the boat amen would you stand with me hallelujah that's what my son will say from time to time out of nowhere hallelujah it feels good it means bless God would you just say something like that to God blood I bless you hallelujah makes you look spiritual Lord, we, 
We want our lives to be a song of the goodness of God. Everywhere that we go, our story should be I'm making sure that's not a word from the Lord for today that needs to be shared. It probably is. This is going along with it. Someone in the congregation, but we'll get to it. Lord, we we want our lives to be lived in the good, knowing that you are good, walking that this, that every day you have been faithful. You have been so good to me. It's me that walks away, not you. So we come before you today with our fish. We caught 153 of them. Big whoop. That was with your help. So you helped us get them. You gave us our gifts. Now you're saying, bring it to me. Lord, I pray that you convict anyone in the room that needs and having trouble with their finances. I never say this, but having trouble with your finances, try it. Give God a tenth of your income and watch what he does with it. If you're having trouble with your, uh, you don't have time in your life, start serving. And watch how God helps you to find your life in losing. If you're having trouble, yeah, you get the point. We give it all to you. We give you our gifts, our profession, our occupation, our insecurities. And we say, have your way. Make something great out of it. Thank you that you love us. We love you. We will walk in your love today. And in your passion. We want to thank you so much for joining us for the New Song Podcast. One of the things Jesus teaches us that when we've been invested in, that we should also become investors. I want to encourage you that if New Song is one of the platforms where your faith in Jesus becomes more real, go to newsongcs.com forward slash give right now and be a one-time giver or a recurring giver and help us spread the gospel from Colorado to the ends of the earth.